Hello everybody and welcome to Volume 3, Issue 136 of the Cane and Rinse Podcast. You can play along with Cane and Rinse Volume 3 and our next five issues are Banjo-Kazooie, Tearaway, Fire Emblem Awakening, System Shock 2, and then it's the Chronicles of Riddick, Escape from Butcher Bay, and Assault on Dark Athena. Head to caneandrinse.com for the full schedule, the blog, links to our merchandise stall, our Facebook page, Google+, Thingamajig, and YouTube channel. And as always, please remember to subscribe on iTunes as well as review and rate us if you wouldn't mind. Now, joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, James Carter. Leon, I think we need to admit something to one another. I know that you like me. It's Mm. no secret I like you too. Mm. I want to be your girlfriend. (laughs) Could be an issue, um, but (laughs) I'm sure we can work something out. Uh, Darren Gargett. Oh, yeah, hello. Would you also like to be my girlfriend? I'm sure we can arrange that too. No, thank you. (laughs) Charming. And Carl Moon. Heyo! Right. Uh, Here we are again. This concludes our uh, three podcast podcast, uh, series on Criterion's burnout races. uh, Obviously concluding with the the last one, and that was Burnout Paradise. Um, Now... uh, interjecting in this issue we will be hearing from uh the interview that i did with ian angus who was lead gameplay programmer on burnout 3 takedown burnout revenge and burnout paradise um so we'll be hearing from him but the uh, full transcription of the interview will also appear on the blog at the same time as this podcast um obviously i'll make it clear when i'm speaking for him um and thanks to uh one of the programmers from burnout paradise gary casey who is uh i think he's a regular listener he certainly listened to some of our podcasts mm. uh, and it was actually him who uh put me in touch with ian so um much gratitude for that because uh ian as you will hear offers some uh candid insight into into the whole burnout thing mm-hmm. um we talked, obviously, on the first podcast, Carl brought up Thrill Drive, the Konami 1998 arcade machine. Um, and Ian, uh, when I was speaking to him, asked me if I'd played it too. Um, now, Ian joined uh, Criterion after Burnout 2 had come out. He, his first job was working on the ports of Burnout 2 to the GameCube and Xbox. He was working on audio. Um, but when, when talking to him, he also said, did you ever play Thrill Drive, the arcade machine? And I still can't remember if I actually did. I think it was after Brighton Arcades were in 98 were starting to kind of wind down. But I may, I may have played it, but I hadn't, when you mentioned it, Carl, on the Burnout 1 and 2 podcast, um, I didn't have any real memories of it. So I've been been uh, to look at it on MAME, and boy, oh boy, it's not really an influence... <laughs> Is it? This is what this is what Ian said. I said, "Oh yeah, I understand. It was quite an influence on burnout." And he said, "Yeah, it was a bit more than an influence. It's it's extraordinary. <laughs> it, it looks almost identical. Mm. It's like um, yeah. it right down to the fonts and and everything. Um, but obviously, Burnout Paradise is is the open world uh, burnout. Everyone knows that. I'm sure by now. Um, and I suppose so. Other influences on it were uh, Ian mentioned Midtown Madness. Um, which was quite a big thing on the PC back in the day. I think Microsoft, one of the Microsoft studios made that, didn't they? Yeah, it was always published by Microsoft, and they uh, they pushed it big to the Xbox as well. Yeah, um, and that had that had a sprawling city that you could muck around in. Um, and then, of course, earlier on the 360 and other platforms was um, Test Drive Unlimited, 
which um, I've only ever dabbled with very briefly. But it was I remember it was quite well received at the time, but um, was a, a spread, spread over a much larger area than Burnout mm. Paradise, a mm. whole island. Mm. Got any fans of that here? I played Test Drive Unlimited when it came out. Um, I actually played, put a lot of time into it. Yeah, You can sort of see why it would be an inspiration because you're looking at such a large-scale driving game which mm. wasn't commonplace on the on the consoles. So this arrived uh, finally in January, February 2008. Can you believe? Almost six and a half years ago now. Oh, um, three, Just three formats, as was uh, the, the three that were de rigueur at the time. Um, there was, I'm sure there was no... No uh, possibility of a Wii port, but yeah, PS3 360 and a Windows PC version, which uh, which we'll talk about. Um, first thing I asked Ian Angus was, uh, how long was a game in development? And uh, he said, uh, I started on it immediately after the end of Burnout Revenge, and there was a very small team for a while, uh, while the 360 port of Revenge happened. From that point on, it got bigger and bigger. It slipped twice. It should have been a launch PS3 game at one point, but that was never realistic. Uh, then I asked him if it was uh, if the PS3 was the lead version because I remember at the time a lot of people said that they felt it was uh, it performed slightly better on PS3 compared to 360. But uh, he denied this. He said, "No, nah, they were pretty much uh, the same." We called the P- a PS3 our lead platform because PS3 was harder to make stuff for, so we'd get stuff working on PS3. Mm. Then on three, uh, then on 360 and PC, it pretty much just works. Um, I think that's probably one of those things where, um, obviously, in 2008, it was a time when the difference between formats was actually quite huge a lot of the time, and when Burnout was a lot closer than I would say the vast majority of yeah. of ports across systems, it sort of stood out. For me, I do think that the PS3 was slightly better. There was next to nothing in it, I agree, but the PS3 version did have a little, it was a little bit sharper, but it was absolutely minute, and it was an incredible job given how bad... You know, you could name ten games straight off from that period that were quite awful on PlayStation Three in comparison. Yeah, Ian was quite—he yeah. was quite sort of scathing about developers taking the easy option of building games on PC and then trying to cram them into the <laughs> cram them into the PS3. It just—he said, you know, that it made much more sense for them to get it running perfectly on PS3, which was the hardest system to develop for. And I think there were a few other examples of teams doing that, but. So, um, Carl, we know that you're a big Burnout fan, obviously, from the previous podcast. You even hosted the, the previous one because I never, I didn't get round to finishing Takedown, even though I, I, I enjoyed that one quite a bit. And uh, Revenge, I didn't get on with. Um, traffic checking was not something I enjoyed. But, Carl, I assume you, uh, you were day one for Paradise, or possibly even the demo might be worth mentioning if you played that first. Uh, Paradise was definitely an interesting one. Um... Yeah, I was obviously looking forward to it after the end of Revenge, which is a game I adored. And and sort of my real build up to to Revenge started in about I think probably April or May two thousand and seven, and it was at a Game Horizons conference, which is essentially a developers conference where you you know you sit there with the likes of top companies and top developers and production leads and stuff from companies in the UK, and you you talk over each other's games and and what's right and what's wrong. And Criterion actually showed off. Uh, Burnout Revenge at the time. Um, it, it was quite new, and obviously, I think we were seeing it before it was it was main. You know, it was it was out in the public eye. Yeah, and it was obviously it was showing the the technical ability of the of the crashes with the car wrapping around barriers and stuff, and everyone was discussing you know how impressive all this was. And there was me and my friend who had, had played Burnout Revenge, you know, almost religiously for months. So we were sat there, and. We were just like talking to each other, thinking, I can't wait to play this. And obviously, it got put back again. And we we're like, oh, okay. So eventually, uh, we, you know, I, I sort of 
sampled the demo, but it was, it's one of these things. I've always been a person. I, if I, it's a game I'm really interested in, I tend not to want to see much about it, read about it, or play it. Yeah. But in this case, it was the demo released on PS3. I thought I'll see how it performs. It performed well. I didn't get the PS3 version anyway, but it was one of those. I was curious because people were saying that the PS3 version was working well. And then uh, as the day rolled round, um, we I'd organised. We were going to stay at my friend's house. We were both going to get a copy of the game. We'd both set up our TVs in the same room, and um, we'd we'd spent 40, 40 quid on uh, Domino's pizzas to snacks so that we didn't have to leave the room. And it was like a proper little geek out over the game. Um, so yeah, it was it was what it was a sort of a real big event for us to. Um, unfortunately, we had to sort of go into into town to go and get some parts for audio splitters for using monitors and, what, and whatnot. But other than that, it was it was like a real event. It was really good. Um, the the launch for us. So did you play uh, all the way to completion? You know, there and then in the first week or so. Did you go get your elite license at any stage? I just sort of cracked on with the game and 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 played through it. And I actually ended up getting another Xbox three sixty. And that was one of my data that didn't back up. So it was a, it was one of those things where I did it, but I sort of did it off profile um, in the end because it was there was a whole transition of systems. So I have played all the way through it to my elite license, um, but it was one of those horrible sort of moments where data was lost and progress was lost. So yeah, I've always been a little bit bitter about that. But all right, um, James, uh, what about you? Uh, yeah, I, I played the demo. I think I only played it for 15, 20 minutes or so, enough to know yeah. that, yeah, I wanted this game and I just shut that off. Yeah, I played this game in, incessantly from when it came out um, and got everything in the single player. Never really tackled the multiplayer as much as, mm. as maybe others might have, simply because other people tend to spoil my enjoyment of games, not intentionally, just by being there. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and, and even though a lot of it's co-op and having fun, and I certainly hopped on with Graham, one of my um, university friends, um, hopped on with him and and had a bit of a run around um, and and enjoyed it. Uh, it. Again, if you want to be on with friends, you've then got to schedule your gaming around that, and that just never happens for me. So, even though it was right there at the push of a button, I never made the most of it as as possibly others did. Uh, in terms of a multiplayer, but the single player, I just drank up. Uh, yeah, got every every collectible, every jump, every everything, and uh, and all of Billboard, the all the achievements gate. for single player, etc. So yeah, you've even tracked down the last yellow gate. <laughs> oh like yeah, yeah, yeah. All well, okay. all four hundred of them. Yeah. All right. I, I guess uh, I guess we're qualified between us, Darren. <laughs> uh, did you buy this early doors? Yeah, I remember getting the demo. Uh, fairly sharpishly when it, you know when it was announced, and I remember playing it once, like like James, to play one event each and realise, okay, this is what the game's going to be, and then there was the you know the anticipation of the full release, which I got yeah. day one. Uh, ended up getting the the you know the burnout elite license, and much like James, got every single collectible because I was addicted to those achievements at that time <laughs> in my life. It was yeah. um you know kind of like a year after Crackdown was out, so the agility orb obsession then yeah. led into this billboard gate obsession mm. and. But yeah, multiplayer wasn't a big thing for me either. Um, I don't know why. I don't know if it's because I'd gone silver from gold then. I can't really remember what was going on, but I remember dipping in and out of Xbox Live uh, multiplayer, but it never really, never really grabbed me. And you two, James and Darren, you've been back for a little blast on the multiplayer online mm. on PC in oh, the yeah. last couple of weeks, yeah. so that's that's cool. Because um, yeah, I, I'm I'm hoping Carl. I, I imagine Carl spent a lot of time 
playing online um, because I didn't either um, and I always felt that maybe the reason I didn't fall in love with Paradise quite so hard as other people or indeed quite so hard as I had with some other arcade style racers mm -hmm. was because I hadn't spent enough time doing all this stuff that people said even from the demo onwards which had which had online integrated I believe um, I remember people talking about all this fun they were having meeting up you know leaping cars over other cars and trying out crazy stunts and you know sandbox creating their own their own open world yeah. arcade racer sandbox fun and it did sound like a laugh but it never like it wasn't that I feared that other people would ruin it for me like James it's just more that it just didn't ever happen mm. and other certain other elements about the game that we'll talk about didn't quite click with me or grab me in the same way that other arcade races did so i ended up playing the demo like like you all briefly um didn't buy the game the minute it came out i wasn't convinced um bought it when it got a bit cheaper uh on 360 just because that was uh actually i didn't even have a ps3 at this point i didn't get it until yeah, summer no, I didn't uh, yeah. 2008 yeah, um eventually uh i kind of yeah i kind of drifted away from it fairly fast um did like maybe a quarter of well not a quarter of everything probably a quarter of the of the burnout license um and then but when it came out uh for digital download on ps3 at the start of the following year that was when i i got the copy that i sort of have and play now um but i still only i basically dipped in and out of it for the last five years <laughs> um i've only just gone back to it uh, and got my burnout license I've still not got an elite license I've still got like 80 something races to do hmm. and that's not even counting the bikes or Surf Island although I have played some some of those um, I mean I've played it I, I, you look at my clock there's there's probably like 35-40 hours on there hmm. um, you know I've yeah, and I've I've done the you know got the basic credit roll, but beyond that, I'm I'm still dipping in and out now, even after I finished it. Um, but yes, um, mixed feelings overall, um, and we'll talk about the reasons why. So obviously, the main kind of thing that separates Burnout Paradise from its predecessors uh, is the open world aspect. So I asked Ian about uh, that and and what you know what prompted them what inspired them to go for this you know this ambitious thing and suggested that although other games had done this first the ones we mentioned um nothing had probably done it in quite such an uh, it may be in a technically ambitious way if nothing else um and ian said yeah the first next gen game at 60 frames per second open world was a technical marvel that it worked at all uh, all the criterion games after that went down to 30 frames a second hmm. it's probably also worth saying that uh Ian considers um, Burnout 3 Takedown to be criteria, the peak of the Burnout series and the peak of Criterion as a studio. Um, you know, for what it's worth, that's his his, uh, his own feeling on it. He, he obviously was, you know, heavily involved in those games and that's, that's how he feels about it. I think, as we'll discover, he had some reservations about some things about Paradise. Now, this game features a heck of a lot of cars. Um... What's the actual... It's the best part of 100 cars, isn't it, I think? Including all the souped-up uh, versions. Yeah, like, like 77 initially, and then, yeah, a bunch of extra ones. So, yeah, probably on the way to that. Because there was... DLC. Um, yeah, DLC cars and extra additional bikes. cars and, and Big Surf Island cars and bikes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's got to be on for 100. I think it's 77, off the top of my head. Right. Now, they're all unlicensed. Uh, they're fictional cars, as as has been the case in the Burnout series, for mainly you know mainly the reason that they wanted to smash them up and burn them and all that. Yeah. Now, obviously, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit uh, ended up uh, using real cars, and um, 
and on that, Ian said, having worked on Need for Speed, Top Pursuit, as well as uh, as well, having real cars does make a huge difference to people's perceptions and what they're willing to pay for. Mm-hmm. I guess it makes the game seem more valuable if it's got sort of real things in it, like they're almost getting a real Porsche or whatever. So again, from a sales point of view, real cars make a huge difference, but then you can't burn them because the people you license the cars off don't want to see them on fire. Um, it certainly <laughs> um, does make a difference in perception to me. I massively uh, prefer unlicensed cars. Mm, me too, there's, right. there's an error. Uh, there's a type of uh, almost satirical quality to these yes. clear ripoffs of other cars. Grand Theft Auto, perfect example, and mm. I think they do it here as well. They take uh, the ethos of a car. Perfect example of legendary cars. It's clear they couldn't license those cars. So they just made the cars and called them something else and made them just different enough that they got away with it, you know? And that's the way it all kind of felt. It it felt Mm. like that. You could see what the car, you know, you could see the difference between an American muscle car or a Japanese Mm kind of um, electronic race car type thing and um, and maybe a a German uh, saloon type car, you know? Mm -hmm. You can see the differences in in that, and, and I think they're great. And one of the reasons I didn't like the Need for Speed games criterion made as much as uh, the the burnout games that I enjoyed most, including this one, uh, is is because they put real cars in and it, it gave it a somber tone that Burnout Paradise didn't have for me. Hmm. Um, but yeah. but clearly that's not the the overall you know the the overriding opinion that other people have. And also, previous Burnout games never had realistic names in their games anyway. So it'd be it just pull me out of the experience if all of a sudden we had yeah. Porsches and Ferraris racing around a Burnout world. Because I've always seen the Burnout worlds as sort of a like a, a cartoon version of the real world. You know, it's, it's yeah. you know it looks real enough, and it, you know it's kind of it feels real enough. But there's there's a, there's a certain element of ludic you know ludicrosity, ludicrousness to it, I guess. <laughs> so to, to add like things like you know courses and. Porsches and stuff to the burnout world it just wouldn't feel right it's always been like um sort of like a dream world to me where you know if you were dreaming it it's realistic enough but you can't sort of focus on the very finer details of it also if you had to try and recall it once you've woken up you'd be like oh it was like this it was like that car Mm. or something but you wouldn't say oh it was definitely like a fiat something you'd say (laughs) it was kind of like a fiat and that's how burnout's always been for me it's always been just daft fun um, one of the things I wanted to ask you chaps about was how you felt about um, the the sort of on-the-fly stuff. Now, that includes the instant repairs, boost refills, and paint jobs. Now, obviously, none of that is remotely realistic, um, but it keeps the game moving. Uh, you know, the fact that you can even repair your car in the middle of a, of a marked man event mm. To, mm. to continue your run. Um, but I did have, on the, on the subject of cars, I, did, I do still have a slight issue with the method of unlocking. Now, some of our, our forum feedback is, is very positive positive about this where after a certain number of wins uh, you're told that a car is you know buzzing around the the city yeah Mm. Yeah, um, and then you have to shut it down now I like the the uh, to use that word emergent fun that that can create but I always feel like it it's it's slightly out of my hands as to whether I'm gonna you know I don't know I I meant to ask Ian about the algorithms that actually you know how it detects when you're gonna see these cars or or whether it's geographical because I've never quite worked it out they often seem to turn up in a similar part of the map um, and then you can end up chasing them all the way across the city and I'm not saying that isn't fun but it feels like hang on either I've unlocked this car I haven't why am I having to go and you know do do this it's a two-stage process and it kind of feels like you know you have to you earn it, but therefore you have to earn it again. And you're just like, oh man, really? But for me, it always, I always found it as a good distraction. Like I always mm. in, 
I always picked the car that I, you know, I wanted to race. I picked a certain car. And if I happened to see the other car cruising around that I could take down, I would use that as a distraction from the actual main game to then, uh, you know, to, to chase it. I, I would never think, right, I've, this game has told me I've unlocked this car. Therefore, I have to go and hunt it down. Like, I'd always just wait for it to turn up. B, would you? I, I mean, have any of you worked out if there's a, if there's rhyme or reason to, to when, no. when and where they appear? For me, it always felt like it happened when I had something in mind. So like, oh, I'm going to go and do that road rage event. And <laughs> it's like the game knew I was tr- had a plan, had a mission. The game's like, right, now I'm going to distract him. And then you end up with a 10-minute car chase and you end up in the, well, the, the barren west side of the map. And you're just like, oh man, I've got to drive all the way back to the east now. Mm. But, you know, you, you have unlocked this cool car. On the flip side, the, the satisfaction of actually taking them down is, 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 I still find that quite a buzz. So it's... Mm. Swings and roundabouts for me. I mean, conceptually, the unlocking of the cars, I really did like that idea. It's like a, a sort of a world event in an MMO, isn't it? It's the kind of thing that, that Bungie are pushing as one of the major fe- major features in Destiny. You know, you can be walking along and then a live world event and it, like something random happens and you've got to sort it mm. out. And that, that, I liked that with the cars, but mm. there were times where if you missed it or you crashed or you clipped on something, mm. it brought like controller throwing rage and... <laughs> Um, and, and the, the, you know, I can sort of see both sides of it. I've played games with similar things in it and I've hated it, but in Burnout, I didn't so much mind when it went my way. When it didn't, it was, mm. you know, sort of something completely different. But in terms of the stuff like instant repairs and boost refills, um, didn't like it then. Hate it in Need for Speed Rivals, which still uses that system. Mm. Um, it, it, no, not for me, no. Really? Uh, it, it, that's all part of the lack of structure. Uh, that Burnout Paradise has it, it loses to be open world games obviously lose a certain kind of structure to it and that's something that I'll mention later on about Burnout Paradise but it is hands down my biggest issue with the game is really? uh, is the, the the way it's structured and that is one of the elements yeah. of it yeah. you'll be halfway through a race or a Mark Man event and you'll notice it'll say it'll say damage critical and it just kind of throws the whole event out the window because you're going to have to turn around and go to the nearest you know in, uh, instant repair station and it, it's never going to be well 9 out of 10 times it's never going to be on your route to the mm. to the end goal so you kind of the, the whole mission's kind of, bro- you know, dead already. And you're just like, well, what's the point of going to that repair station? I might as well just, you know, blow myself up and start again. But yeah. there was, there was not enough of them, uh, when I'm talking about the instant repair stations, you know, um, but when you were en route to your end goal and you had to repair your car, it was really satisfying to, well, you, you could also smash into the side of it and die, but it was also really satisfying to actually drive through it as fast as you could and get, get a refill, especially on the Mark Man events. Cause those FBI cars, well, I always saw them as FBI cars. Were just just like they were just juggernauts, man. You couldn't stop them for yeah. nothing. Yeah. Mm. I just kind of wish they had them all in one. I guess like one yeah. one mm. shop to rule them all. I guess you know, like <laughs> go into one of these yeah. things, repair me, boost me, you know, change the color of my car. I kind of completely disagree because a bit like the stunt events that we'll come on to later, I I loathe the stunt events to begin with because it it seemed, seemed like some of them started in places there was just no ability to do any stunts, um, and and so uh, with these instant repair and boost refills, if I was starting a marked man event, once you get to know the city, you. Know know where your instant repairs are um and so i'd tailor my routes right from the mm. beginning not once i got into trouble right from the beginning i'd make sure i went past those and if it meant taking a more secure taking a more circuitous route to get mm. to the, the end that's absolutely mm. fine but that's what I, I i really enjoyed about the fact that the open world didn't mean it was just here's your um course and oh there's a couple of shortcuts that if you happen to hit them or happen to know about them great no, you could take any route you wanted. And sometimes you'd go, I, well, I certainly would, way off course to the point where it was telling me I was last in a race, but I knew the route would come good in the end. <laughs> 
so, at some points I would be every 10 seconds pausing, looking at the map, checking where I needed to go and needed to turn, etc. But that was my choice. If I wanted to just drive and find the fastest route, that's fine. But if I went a slightly different way, different stuff would happen. I'd be able to use uh, different shortcuts to my advantage or jumps to my advantage uh, on some of the um, marked man events. Actually, using some mm. of the jumps just gave you that kind of little second or two away from those cars um and and yeah i I really liked that about it um and as far as the structure there are lots of reasons probably exactly opposite to carl why since this game i've really struggled going back to pick an event from a list that doesn't seem like structure to me that seems like a menu that's interesting because uh, it's definitely one of the issues I had with mm, the game. Yeah, I know a lot um, of people do, yeah. Now, the first, for the, it's always worth remembering, for the first year, this game didn't even have a quick restart. Brilliant, uh, love option. that, I remember. Yeah, um, which uh, I hated. Um, <laughs> it's, probably one, it's probably one of the reasons that I got rid of the 360 version. Mm. Um, and obviously, when I got the Ultimate Box Edition in uh, early the next year, that, was, that included the, um, the 1.6 patch, which brought in the yeah. quick restart mm-hmm. and, and lots of other things. Um, I, uh, I spoke to Ian about this. Mm. I, I said, I recently had to be reminded of the fact that there's a quick restart event tab on the D-pad. Um, this is me, sorry, going back to the game after... You know, forgetting almost that they patched it in, or, or forgetting how to access the quick restart anyway, mm. um, which is a lifesaver when you're just trying to do a particular race. One of the things that came up on forums over and over again at the time was: was there ever the consideration to put in fast travel, or if not, GPS and checkpoints, Grand Theft Auto style, so you could draw a line on the map? And Ian's response was: originally, you couldn't even restart an event. A checkpoint, a checkpoint race came in with the bikes pack, and the uh, and Big Surf Island. The initial lack of quick restart was pure bloody mindedness from the guy in charge. He had this idea, and we all thought it was stupid. Let people retry; it's just inconvenience, and he just wouldn't have any of it. So yeah, it was a poor decision. We should have had those things. A lot of the races would have been so much better with big walls and arrows. My opinion of the you know the no restart sort of deteriorated over time. At first, I was like, oh, I failed the race, but because I'm at another side of the map, I can then start another event. And I can sort of yes. see where this you know this stuff becomes guy more was. of a pain as it as yeah. It goes on. As I progressed to the elite license, I was like, oh, flipping hell, man! I'm back over here on the west side of yeah. the map again. I've got to go back it's to the always U. the northwest at the observation oh, area God, as well. It's which is another issue I had on the game. It was always the northwest mm. that you finished in. Yeah. So yeah, I, I and but when they put the restart feature in there, I was. Yeah, like my progression towards the um, the elite license definitely sped up, and yeah, I couldn't play the game about it now. But at first, I sort of saw what they were going with. Definitely, yeah, yeah. To keep that that consistent, you know, hmm. quotes pseudo realism, I suppose. Um, but it, it just like I I wanted, I, you know, I understand what James is saying that just selecting race, you know, races from a list on a on a menu isn't isn't that exciting. And it was cool that somebody was trying something else. I mean, mm. obviously, test drive had done it where you flashed your flashed your indicators and and whatever. But when it came down to it, I've just found myself wanting not only a quick restart, but also at least a, an ability to put a waypoint on a map mm. um, and uh, and preferably actually a fast, you know, a, a, a teleport to event because, one, you know, I know it helped you learn the city to drive around it, but mm. but to, if you wanted to do things in a sequence, having to chug back to, to the start was just wore me down very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um the indicator that you get to turn a corner is when you're going so fast mm-hmm. is often it often arrives very late 
I mean, he, he told me that the AI never cheats as such. It just takes what it considers to be the fastest or the near, fast, near fastest route. Mm-hmm. But it's very frustrating when you miss a turn and everyone else goes <laughs> off down the site. OK. And then you end up kind of the, on, the only time I found it fun was when those moments where you end up approaching the finish line from a complete from the opposite angle to yeah. the entire pack. Yeah. And then you're like, who's going to get there first? <laughs> you're just seeing these arrows uh, zooming across the map. But yeah, this is why I hated and I mean hate the multiplayer racing, right? They, I, you know, the, you had the the free for all and all that, the, the the sort of the daft running around the airfield and stuff. That's completely different to this. When it comes to actual core racing, which is something I absolutely love in multiplayer, it's what I loved about Revenge. Mm. Um, and you don't have these walls, these arrows. The idea is that you have a start point and end point, and that's it. You go open world city. Sounds good in concept. The problem is when you pull off from that first car and everyone goes down different streets. You're not racing anyone anymore. Yeah. It, it, mm. You're just driving around the city as fast as you can, avoiding AI cars. There was none of that thrill, the rush of an actual challenge of racing people, uh, finding the gaps and getting on the inside of them, taking them down. All that went for the majority of my multiplayer time. And I just, it could have all been sorted with these walls and arrows. Or even if they did something along the lines of something like PGR3, which had a, I mean, obviously the environments were quite small, but it allowed you to sort of create your own route. So there was a route to take uh, where it would be a more focused area. But the idea of going, you know, from... Because obviously the map rep- represents a compass. You've got a, a, a major ending point in each of the eight areas from obviously yep. north, south, east, west, and then the, the diagonals. So when you're going from one to the other and everyone goes down a different street, it just becomes really boring. There's no... Mm. You know, you, you sort of lose that focus um, of of competition. And... It, that completely nullified and ruined the multiplayer that I'd been looking forward to because obviously I was coming off the back of Revenge, which was the title before this, where, you know, I know it's something that Gary Blow didn't like on that show, but it's something that I loved was the the pure competitiveness. Um, and it, this was obviously, again, it lacked that. That was an element of structure that had gone from this game um, that could have been easily avoidable with... Uh, they brought in the glowing columns of light with, uh, you know, checkpoint style, like uh, like in GTA, in uh, in bikes mm. and and um, Big Surf Island. Yeah, so that... where you you could go different routes, but eventually you all had to hit a similar checkpoint. Yes. Yeah, I really struggled with the open world nature of the game and sort of signposting and telling you where to go with these freeform races. And it really, it took me a long time to get used to the fact that I had to use my peripheral vision to look at the the sign, the road signs at the top, because mm. uh, there was always one flashing to let you know where. Well, yeah, what what corners well, to the take? Optimal when, turn is, yeah. But you're going at like 200 miles an hour, and you can't see the indicator on the car. It, the, the indicators do work on the cars to let you know what corner to go down. But you're not looking at that. You're looking at the road. Um, mm. So it really took me a lot of you know a lot of playtime to get used to the flashing sort of road signs. But I wish those road signs weren't at the top. I kind of wish they were sort of maybe down the bottom or may, kind of like do what Split Second did and have the HUD around the, the base of the car or something like that. Something more prominent for your or eye. A big old school flashing arrow on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why yeah. Not? Something you can actually see, yeah. I mean, Ian stressed that. Uh, I mean, he obviously kind of agrees with these criticisms, but he did. He did stress that you know the more you learn the city, the more viable the racing became, which is obviously kind of the point of Paradise City. But yeah, I just I I did find myself longing for more. You know, I I, I put it somewhat down to me. You know, either not being fast enough reaction wise to respond or or because i was you know old and used to old school races but it sounds like quite a lot of people had similar issues hmm. i mean there's the argument that that's true but then you could also argue that uh 
you've got to enjoy the game enough to get to the point that you learn the city. And if the, you can't learn the city, it affects your enjoyment. You never get to that point. Mm. And I would have loved to have known the city, but it, I always felt like I was fighting the game in getting to that point. Mm. Uh, so I put it down long before uh, I could ever become competitive in multiplayer as a result. It's great hearing you guys uh, bring these criticisms up and they are bullet points of why I love this game so much. Every <laughs> right. one of them. Absolutely every single one. Not a single thing any of you have said is a detriment to this game to me, I'm, I'm afraid. Obviously, uh, we've barely touched on uh, the actual, the, the fundamental um handling of the cars um we kind of we took we we talked about how you know how fine we i think we thought that was in the at least the, you know the previous games back to two so um there are more cars with more variety um more styles there's 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 probably something for everyone there's i'm sure there's nobody had any issues with finding a vehicle that they hmm. uh they enjoyed playing in on the subject of road rules though um this was another slight issue i had while again in theory i appreciated the organic nature of of setting a time trials uh on the fly rather than doing it from a list i found that i would never go out of my way to do these i would only ever do these in the course of racing and the and because it was it's you know you don't necessarily know um where they begin and end so it's kind of a hard thing to set up for yourself i found yeah, I wasn't particularly keen on the road rules or, or the or the showtime for that matter because, like, like you say, there's not there's not enough structure. It just felt a bit too flimsy, you know. Like, obviously, when the the road sign changes at the top, that's your cue to you know own that road. I, I much preferred the burning routes each car had. It, they, they had an idea there. Same with showtime as well. Like, I, I know like the, the crash mode from other burnout games is. You know, it, it was brilliant and it still is like today. But this one just felt like a half-baked attempt at doing a crash mode where you sort of, you tumble this possessed shell of a car down a road. <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah. it's just odd. It's something like, it's, it's, it's kind of haunting in a weird way. Like, I mean, there's no people in the city anyway, but if they saw this car tumbling down <laughs> at you, at, you know, a stupid miles an hour, it, 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 would, it would freak the hell out of me and I would never want to live in Paradise City. I mean, yeah. it's bizarre, even for a burnout game, which is we've described as being fantasy on the edge of a dream already in this show, and that's bizarre. It's, <laughs> I never understood the whole point, you know, turn your car and all of a sudden you're flipping it sideways, it's bizarre. And the road rules, it's it's carried on into other games. Uh, Need for Speed Rivals, for example, does it between speed cameras, which sort of makes a little bit more sense. Mm. Um, but time per road... And there was quite a lot of roads. I mean, we talked about the um, we talked about the Burnout Two crash mode and how um, me and and a few of our correspondents were big fans of how it was almost a puzzle game that mm. that mode in that yeah. version. And obviously, they changed they did things to change it and soup it up. And some people like things they did in in the different games. They changed how you launched and they changed you know they added elements After and stuff like and that. The explosion but, and stuff. Yeah. yeah, but I don't I don't I don't know anyone who thinks that Showtime is like the best incarnation of Crash, like the most fun. Um, I, I think it was, yeah, for me it was definitely a step backwards I mean, and I kind of forget it's there most of the time. Mm. I just don't, because you have to sort of kind of trigger it. I just... Yeah, you, I, I always stumbled into it by accident after, you know, after after experiment every once or twice. I think, what do these other buttons do on this pad? And then you press the <laughs> shoulder buttons together by accident or click in the sticks or what, I can't remember what it is now. And you're like, oh yeah, and it does that typical animation of like the car sort of tumbles on its side and you're just like, oh yeah, it's the showtime event again. And then I, I, nine times out of ten, I'll just leave the car just sort of just there on the floor. But it had some decent ideas. I kind of like the fact that you have to hunt down buses to get a plus one for your multiplier. It's like, yeah, there's no people in the buses, but, you know, let's try and kill a a busload of people to get a multiplier. Why not? Um, But, yeah, it it was just uh, pointless. Now, uh, I said to uh, Ian, 
that I thought the game still looked surprisingly good. Obviously, I've been playing, you know, some. I haven't played any uh, actual next gen races yet, but I've, you know, seen um, PC games more recently, and I've been playing other genres on next gen consoles and, and a decent PC. And I still think I, I, I told him I still thought mm. that uh, Burnout Paradise on PS3 still looked pretty damn fine. Uh, he says it does. If you look close, if you look at it closely on a micro level, if you study the details and so on, the level of detail isn't there because it has to run at 60. But when you're clipping along at 200 miles an hour, mm. it does everything it needs to. Um, and another thing uh, I said to him that I imagine was really difficult to program was probably the uh, the camera during crashes. And uh, he exclaimed, oh, God, yes, absolutely. It's so difficult because it's a dynamic world with lots of flying physical objects. You could have a nice shot of the car rolling over and then a bus will just come between the camera and the thing it's looking at. So the code to detect all that is ridiculously complicated. Yeah, it's, it's a typical burnout, you know, um, plus point for me that the camera from is just... Uh, outstanding at all times. Like when, when you when you take down another car, the camera pans away and you see that car explode. The, the camera for me is is spot on. And uh, the, when you do smash at uh, uh, 200 miles an hour, your car off a ridge over the edge of a fence into the lake, uh, it's just so <laughs> funny. Like you don't you don't even mind because the, the way the the cameras are shot and the way the car just sort of just disappears out of view. You just, oh, yeah, I, I absolutely. Yeah, absolutely I, I find even though you know, yes, the graphics are starting to look a little bit low res and and fuzzy and whatever, but the combination of of the particles and the deformation of the 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 chassis and, and uh, the audio, which we'll come on to, the, the some of the, the the most sort of speaker crunching crash noises. Mm. Um, uh, it's still an absolute thrill to to take down other cars or sometimes even be smashed yourself can elicit a real laugh out loud moment. Um, and that for me is where the game absolutely still shines. I still find myself thinking that I, you know, wish I was playing a, a race where I knew where I was going and stuff like that. But those moments, that, you know, in, in takedown events um, or road rage events, I should say, and, and things like that still... Yeah, I still get a huge buzz from from doing those like chaining together takedowns and stuff like that. I mean, Burnout Paradise is an absolute stunning game. It's you know, it's, especially if you're running it on a PC now with the, the high settings, it looks absolutely fabulous. And it, it, of course, the last gen. Let's not forget this came at the almost the beginning of last gen, really 2008. It really sort of took a sort of upswing 2009, 2010 for mm. more uh, for to a higher graphical level. And um, you know, I think we've mentioned the camera on the previous two shows, so yeah. it, it, it's quite fitting that we mention it again in, a, in an open world game where it, it's something that Criterion have always specialised in. That yeah. that's what they do brilliantly. So it's no surprise that even with how difficult it was in an open world city, which of course. There's no denying that was going to be the case. Much, There's so much, much more going in. It's it's not uh, you know it's not focused head on. Um, the whole game is based around the, the freedom of being able to go anywhere. So I still love it when um, when you're in a race and a load of cars in front of you have a you know have a pile up or whatever, <laughs> and you get all the smoke kicking up yeah. and and the you know cars flipping over the side and whatever. It, it's still I think it's still thrilling to look at. And it still does one of those things as well where you just hold you know you see that crash happening in front of you, and you just hold your breath <laughs> and you're just go and yeah. you just hope that you can make it through. And sometimes you get caught by something that you had no control yeah. over, but rather than it driving you mad, it's just kind of funny. And Burnout Paradise doesn't ever oversaturate its special effects. Like uh, Burnout 3 has a lot of trails and its lights, a lot of flashy glitz and glamour. Revenge is really saturated in its colour palette, and it looks kind of 
well, I, I, I didn't really get on with it. It is gritty and dark, but it's really saturated and a bit kind of weird. Whereas this is kind of not basic, but it kind of it's kind of I, I can't explain Dial it. Right. Yeah, it doesn't go the extra mile, and it helps you understand the world better because there are not a bloom effects, HDR effects, and all these things you know overwhelming you. Um, so when you are screaming at 200 miles an hour down this road, it's just enough visual fidelity for you to understand where you are at all times. And I imagine if they did have like, you know, dynamic reflections and all this other, you know, stuff that we usually look for in a, in a brand new game. Um, you know, I could imagine me not getting on with the city as well, but it's, it is dialed back. It is toned down. And, uh, I kind I mean, of appreciate that's that. That's a whole other argument though, isn't it? How far can we push graphics before game, uh, games just stop being fun? Mm. And it, it's something that, say, uh, Battlefield 4 for, uh, months I found that really difficult to spot enemies because graphically it looks so much better it becomes harder to spot enemies and then it stops being fun and mm. it's the same thing when uh, racing games if the better they get looking the harder it's going to see to see the Absolutely. junctions and stuff so yeah. there has to be a certain focus on on you know the, the, the visual style and just how much you can see or just how much focus has to be on which is of course why a blur effect is so good in a racing game for depth of field and motion because you can put focus on the elements that need to be noticed but yeah, I still find it um, just, you know, for my brain, and I'm not a motorist, I'm not particularly great at driving games, I'm okay, I do find that there is sometimes too much going on on screen in, yeah. in Paradise for me to actually cope, but the more you play it, you know, exposure helps and getting used to the city and all that, but it actually struck me the other day how much like Mario Burnout Paradise is, in that you can go around slowly if you want, but it does you no favours, the game is designed for you to yeah. be going really fast, um, you actually, it feels to me like you crash less the faster you're going, um, I don't know what trickery there is in that uh, or whether it's just your cars handle better as well Mm. it depends on the vehicle i guess but yeah yeah um and it it just feels more like classic burnout if you're going you know that fast Mm -hmm. and you're just you you realize that you're just picking out the um you know the taillights of uh, of other vehicles and stuff like that interestingly uh we're we're, going to go on and talk about the updates but one of the uh one of the uh, things they added in the 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 substantial 1.6 February 2009 patch was a lot of um, visual tweaks to enhance the look of things like the crash barriers um, and the blue lights that show you where super jumps are, stunt mm-hmm. jumps, things like that, because they there was actually a you know they they considered and, and obviously feedback had told them that there was a visibility issue with certain things, yeah. um, but not when you play it now if you if you know if you play it updated some of the crashing noises the the screeching of metal the grinding um and particularly some there's there's very few car games that i've played that have such throaty engine noises they might not be realistic Mm. i don't know i'm not i'm not i'm not in a sort of petrol head type person but that thing especially if you've got a you know a surround sound setup and you get that when there is a car on the road that you need to shut down to unlock and you get that throaty roar in your rear left speaker (laughs) or whatever um uh, there's no denying that the sound of motor racing can be uh, can be exciting in itself, and I think that's another area where the game really shines. Yeah, the the first moment um, where I started the game, uh, any time I've started it with a hunter cavalry, and the first thing you have to do once you've selected it, after I mean, even the noise of just it dropping in the crash uh, in the mm. uh, junkyard. It, it yeah, yeah, just, it's loud. I, yeah. I mean, there's a delay. It, it doesn't. It, I end up skipping between cars and then waiting for it to catch up a bit. But mm. when it does yeah. hit the ground, it's really Really satisfying. It yeah. sounds like you think of just a hunk of almost dead car would, um, but then it sits there in front of you, and you've got to push the accelerator and hold it for a couple of seconds, like you're starting the engine. And the Hunter Cavalry, particularly again, because it's the first one I ever started up. Just that guttural roar as the engine comes <laughs> alive. It's really mm. satisfying. I do like the continuity 
of um, these these cars being wrecked because you had just taken that car down in the open world, you know, chase them down and unlock them scenario. And so when you are in the, car. you know, it says new wrecks here and that car <laughs> crashes down on the floor, you're like, oh man, I've, I've actually got to repair this thing now. So there is there is a nice <laughs> yeah. little sort of, you know, it's your car now, but you've got to put a bit of extra effort in to then have it, you know, look perfect. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, I really like the uh, the way that the engine sort of fumbles to start when you're uh when you first drive yeah. it and it just looks bad and you're like oh i've got to take this baby to the oh, to the repair station you know <laughs> poor little car baby oh i'm gonna fix you right up yeah there is something really satisfying about that and sort of owning it and making it your own there's an overall feedback as well when you have battered up a car quite a bit um i, I can't remember specifically but i have this very sort of vivid overall memory of not just the way the car looks when it's battered and the bits that have flown off it or whatever and another thing i noticed about the audio recently when playing the pc version with um some amazing headphones is that the actual open world has some really nice touches in there i think a lot of people overlooked it at the time but listening now like there's like owls hooting in the trees there's the church bells are ringing stuff i've never heard of before before so i was just finding myself just cruising around like different areas of the uh the city seeing what, what new noises i could hear audio is so important in games and it's what it's one of these things the amount of people that i've spoken to over years is you know, they'll say, oh, yeah, I've got a 1080p TV and stuff. Oh, yeah, you know, what sound do you use? Oh, I just use my TV speakers. Mm. Oh, are you interested in, you know, getting surround sound? And you put, oh, no, I don't need that. And the, it's like, if you're willing to go for the picture, you've got to realise that the sound is every bit as important, right? It is called audio-visual, mm. you know. So it's the, the sound can add so much more to a game. And, and like Leon said, it's it's that throaty rip of the engines mm. can give. You know, it, it's built in. I'm pretty sure it's built into our DNA to love that that gruff, loud roar of <laughs> engines. You know, it's up there with, you know, it, it's, it just gives you sort of that, that sort of feeling of power and, and, and sort of connection with something. And it's why something like... Um, Gran Turismo, for example, falls completely flat, and they've themselves acknowledged that their sound is awful in their games, um, and that they've got to change it. Um, there's a lot of people go unaware of just what goes on in a game. I mean, mm. this is Burnout Paradise. Can you imagine what the the length of sound files were if you looked at a game like mm. Grand Theft Auto, where you've got so much going on, and you may never have heard them, or at least acknowledged them, you'd have heard them. Um, but if they weren't there, you'd realise that the game mm. sounded really flat. And and that's why um, sound designers are so important to a project because um, if the littlest things are missing, you may not be able to put your finger on it, but you'll know something's not right. There is a slight problem, perhaps, uh, in, with Burnout Paradise that I hadn't really appreciated until we went online the other day on PC. Um, and it came home in the fact that I could barely hear anyone talking on the in-game uh, VOIP chat. Uh, there's a phrase you haven't heard in six years. Um, uh, but I could barely hear anyone, and I had to turn the music and in-game sounds down to, like, two on the one to ten scale yeah. and start There's 10. quite a lot of games mm-hmm. do yeah. make sort of mistakes in that area. Yeah, I, I can understand it being a problem. And, of course, when you're playing on console, well, at least when I was playing on Xbox 360, it was all bypassed by the likes of Party Chat on and um, so forth, and, and a lot of other things where... If you've got voice in game or you've got voice uh, separately from the game, such as Party Chat, it does that thing where it automatically lowers audio in the game or you can put your focus, like on the PS4, for example, you can use a slider for chat priority to party and stuff. And obviously that's completely missing in the PC version if you had to alter the sound so much, which is never good. But on the subject of things that yeah people might want muted, um, DJ Atomica returns. <laughs> Uh, now, for me, he is kind of like he's he's like 
sort of the epitome of 2000s cool in the same way that the <laughs> epitome of 90s cool was a little kid wearing shades and a backball base, backwards baseball cap. Um, like, oh, the I'm, Sega kid. You know, the, the, every kid that you ever imagine who liked Sega consoles in America, the yeah. old sunglasses and the I was thinking cap. of Brat in the video game Brat or Magic oh, Pockets, God, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, he's he's crawlingly naff, and um, like I do leave it on in the hope that he'll occasionally give me some useful information, which which does happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I assume he's a real person who does real DJing in America, um, but it just seems very EA, very USA centric, very uh, you know dude bro type stuff, and not really for me. I mean, I criticised Burnout uh, Three for the same reason on the show, because it had DJ Striker. Yes. Um, who, again, was a real person. Uh, yes. I said on the show that I wasn't aware of that until yes. you know I, I'd done the feedback, because it sounded so, as you said, dude, bro, it's almost so intentionally cringeworthy mm-hmm. that, that it couldn't possibly be a real person. But obviously in that case it was. So I, I don't actually know who DJ Atomica is, if it's a real person. I'm assuming, like you said, I Leon, that, it, that is. it is. Um, but... No, I didn't like the DJ over the top in three. I don't. I, I didn't mind him as much in this. I'll be honest. I really did not like it in Takedown. In this one, um, he was less offensively bad, I guess, um, less annoying. Uh, but it, it's one of those things when you start hearing the same sound samples yeah. again because you're so limited by what a narrator can do in a situation yeah. like that. Um, that you know, it, it's sort of a you let out an audible groan when he says the same cheesy horrible lines again not my kind of thing I don't think there's a place for it in a racing game I just don't understand what the purpose of it is um, no not for me uh, for me I'm not a fan of that style of DJing I suppose is the best way to describe it but it, this is a game called Burnout Paradise set in Paradise City with Paradise City by Guns N' Roses as the <laughs> you know as the theme tune there it is to a certain degree naff but that's an intentional I mean this is clearly a I guess West Coast American city um, it it has it's overt in us in to me a similar way to the way uh, Grand Theft Auto cities mm. are they are caricatures of in that really overdone, oversaturated, overblown, loud, brash kind of way. Um, but that was the flavour of the game for me. So, uh, yes, I understand it can be annoying. It was annoying to me, but I kind of thought that was, to a certain extent, the point, and I was absolutely fine with that because tonally it made sense. And you can turn it off. And you can turn it off, yeah. The same yeah. with with any yes. of the tracks. You can You can turn off any of the tracks that particularly annoyed you and one in particular was turned off by almost everyone I know that played this game. Oh, I see. Paradise City, yes. Well, obviously, yeah. On the subject of the licensed track now, uh, soundtrack, now obviously everyone's going to like different tracks Mm. of the 40-odd that were, uh, you know, the actual licensed tunes. I think I like about a quarter of them, maybe something like that. Mm -hmm. Some of them barely ever seem to come up. Um, Paradise City is an instant turn-off for me. Mm -hmm. Um, There's nothing I can do about it being on the loading um, (laughs) The screen on the on the PS3. Yeah. I actually I find myself heading more towards because uh, there's a nice compilation of classic mm. um, Stephen Root burnout yeah, tracks is, yeah. and uh, a nice selection of very um, popular, recognisable classical stuff. Yes. Um, and we, you know, combine that with a few of the artists in in the licensed tracks that are, you know I already liked before I played this game. There's more than enough music to be getting along with, yeah. and so the the number of tracks that I didn't 
and don't like um yeah it's just a you just tap the r1 button and it's gone so not not an issue for me i still think the um the chances of Avalarine cropping up in a random scenario is 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 increased i, I don't know why but i have a, when i you know play burn up paradise again recently all the tracks are on I was just driving around, and I swear Avalarine come out like five out of ten times. It's like, just <laughs> what? And I can turn it off. I get that. I can turn DJ Tomacraft. I can turn Avalarine off. But it just seemed like, you know, Futurehead song or OK Go song wasn't cropping up enough for me. <laughs> it's like, oh, one song skip. Okay, it's a Burnout Two tune. Wicked, like you know, nostalgia. And then, it, and then it'll be Avalarine again. And then it'll be. A... You can make your own playlist. Oh, though, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm just reckon yeah. there's some sort of nefarious programmer like Avalarine <laughs> equals five out of ten times. It's a, it's a better soundtrack than other Burnout games. Well, Burnout EA Burnout games for me, and the fact that they've got you know classical and uh, you know retro Burnout soundtracks is a bit of a bonus. But m- music's so subjective. It's you know you, exactly you could be yeah. a forever arguing about it's, it. It's so subjective that I'm going to have to disagree with you, Darren, because <laughs> I absolutely love the tracks in Burnout Three and Four. Um, I found that there was a lot of tracks in this that I didn't really want to hear. Or it, it's weird because there's a lot of tracks I would say didn't belong in a racing game, but then. Avril Lavigne's girlfriend is so far away from what belongs in a racing game that it almost goes full circle that it just made me laugh every time it came on. I couldn't tell you more than two tracks that are in uh, Burnout Paradise, and obviously one is Paradise City and the other's Avril Lavigne's girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I mean, yeah, similarly, like, I, I know I'm, there are quite a few of the tracks in this selection that I knew already, um, and obviously there's some sort of amusing left-field choices like uh, Adam and the Ants, but... <laughs> I mean, I'll know them if I saw the list, of course. I'm just on about which ones I couldn't recall. But it is, isn't it ironic that the title that's most, the, the song that's most synonymous with this game is isn't. Girlfriend and not the one that it's actually titled around? Yeah. Not for me, it isn't, because as I say, I hear Paradise City every time I load the game up, mm. whereas I don't yeah. remember ever hearing Girlfriend. Well, but... I remember a very strong advertising campaign for this game because I remember it seemed almost every advert break you'd hear the chords from Paradise City playing in the background as they advertised it. Yeah. It was it was just a really, really pushed game on the television. Mm. But once it was out, no one seemed to talk about that song. And it was I, I think that's probably why I remember it more for Girlfriend than I actually do for Guns N' Roses. So uh, I mentioned um, to Ian about how other arcade racers have come and gone in the time that, uh, you know, Burnout Paradise has possibly still been, you know, talked about. I was thinking about Split Second and Blur. Um, and he pointed out that a lot of X Criterion folks worked on on both of those games. Um, and I was saying, uh, I think part of why Burnout Paradise is perhaps sort of, you know, this is just my perception, but I feel like it's considered sort of one of the key uh, racing titles of the uh, of the last five plus years. Um, I've noticed that while I've been playing it again, that other people on my friends list have also been playing it again, or or perhaps still playing it, um, to the point that we were talking about road rules earlier. I actually lost one of my road road rules the other day. I turned it on, and it's like you know you've been beaten on this road time. It's like that shouldn't happen anymore. <laughs> Nobody plays games that are more than three months old these days, do they? Um, and I was suggesting that you know as, as but you can just you know dip back into it because you've probably never done everything on mm. it. I mean, I know some of us have, but um, there's so much to do. Uh, it, it's it's a huge it's a huge game. Uh, he said it's a game that you can go and sort of chill out in. You can just go and drive around and mess around and socialise and chat to mm. each other. Whereas most uh, other most of the other games are right. We do this race and that race and that race, and it's a different sort of a pace and a different style of online experience. This, this rings true for when I um, went to Scotland about four, four or five years ago now to see 
see Gemma's family up there. And the the kids, the nephews up there were um, playing Burnout Paradise just as a way of driving cars around the city as if, you know, yes. you had a play mat with yeah. cars. They were like, oh, I'm just going to go over here now and go to the shops. And like hmm. all day, every day they were, they were playing this, not racing, but like he says there, they were just chilling out, just parking their cars, you know, power parking. They were trying out all the things, going to all the car parks and just jumping off just, just because it was fun. And I turned the PS3 on the other day for some Demon Souls. He's still there playing Burnout Paradise. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty extraordinary lasting power for a modern video game. Mm. Um, you know, there are there are others, but but it's it's unusual, you know, especially when you consider other racing games that just, you know, I've, you know, fly by night uh affairs uh, as as fun as they may be for a time. Um one other aspect uh we've sort of mentioned it. Carl, you said you didn't like the online racing for the reasons expressed. Um but the thing that I really picked up on that people seemed to love about this game when it first came out when I was on other forums before I was involved in podcasting and forums of my own um, it was this uh, you know mucking about online in a group aspect um, and how it was it was one of the earlier games to do a kind of seamless a relatively seamless online offline experience um, I asked Ian how hard was it or how easy was it to uh, to do that particular style of online integration uh, he said ridiculously hard, really, really hard. Uh, Test Drive Unlimited had done something like it before and we borrowed a number of ideas off that, but their map was a, uh, just astonishingly huge with not a great deal in it. The fact that Burnout Paradise sort of came in the middle of those, closer to Test Drive Unlimited and actually works perfectly even now, is something of a miracle, clearly, because we're talking about a company who essentially could borrow the talent and ideas and tech that they used in Burnout Paradise and still couldn't do it <laughs> in a game released last year is very surprising. But yeah, um, to, they must have loosely borrowed the ideas. And obviously one of the ideas they didn't borrow was it not working because Paradise is really good in this regard. Well, and then that's yeah. further testament to the fact that, I mean, EA have turned off how many game servers? Burnout is now six years down the line. There aren't many games that EA put out in 2008, I'd wager, that still have their online servers on today. But And Burnout Revenge is another one yeah. that they actually turned the servers back yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's uh, yeah. quite surprising, really. Ian said, uh, the concept was always that the game is the lobby, the open world is the lobby, and that's basically what the online experience came from. A lot of the things got added along the way, a lot of the stuff you do, obviously we spent a year doing DLC, which was extremely bizarre, Mm. and a lot of stuff got added during that. But yeah, the game world is the lobby concept was strong and was difficult to do, but it was worth doing. Yeah. But yeah, so you, you, as I said, I didn't play it much online. Carl, you didn't enjoy the racing because of the reasons we said. Um, but as I say, what about people doing this sandboxy mucking about? Now, you went back to it recently on PC, uh, James and Darren. Mm-hmm. It seemed to be the thing that people really loved about this game. More than the racing, mm-hmm. more than the, the events, more than the unlockable cars. At the time, people were always talking about, you know, we're all hanging out in Paradise City. We're jumping cars off this roof and landing on each other and trying to get achievements and all mm-hmm. that stuff. It really is the, the yeah. kind of the jewel in the crown for multiplayer. Even within the two hours that we spent the other night playing, you know, we had two um, yeah. Ken and Ritz listeners join in as well. And it was quite, quite, because it's the PC version, well, I guess it's because it's the PC version. It's quite convoluted to get these people in. Like it was yeah. a friends list within a friends list, and it was kind of a chore mm. to add people and you know, invite yeah. people and stuff. Because Steam and Origin, the conflict well, has now changed their their own accounts over to Origin accounts. I don't know if mm. everyone remembers doing that not that many yeah. years ago now. It's, it is really good fun nobbing around with you with your mates, um, just you know playing cars, I guess. And uh, 
when you do take each other down in these cooperative events, you know, like jump over each other uh, while parked under a bridge, it is really good fun. And when you take each other down, you have the opportunity to take a picture with your camera and, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, middle <laughs> fingers may have been slung at each other. I don't know. You know, just, just, <laughs> yeah. just, just, just little bits of, you know, jovial bants, I guess uh, the kids call it nowadays. It just adds that extra element of, uh, friendliness that I don't really yeah. get out of multiplayer games lately. I'd- well, it, it, in a weird way, it's similar to what we've seen with stuff like Journey and, yeah, I'm going to say Dark Souls, in that restricting the ways in which you can communicate, taking mm. chat out of it, forces you to be creative in different ways in how you're communicating. So just having that, like, literal single-frame shot on a camera at a certain point that you know when it's going to happen means that you just get an instant reaction from someone. And there's no... there's nothing after that there's no potential for necessarily misinterpreting and therefore falling out with someone over something Mm. they've said or whatever it's just here's a shot of darren giving me the middle finger because i just (laughs) took him out or vice versa beat selfies by a few years for a craze you know it was actually one of the few you know i had both a live vision camera and a Mm, playstation camera it's one of the few games that actually had me utilizing them and you know wanting to plug those in so now my license picture is uh, is a picture of me like five years ago Mm. um because i haven't plugged it back in but yeah you know fun stuff Mm. I mean the 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 challenges mode of the multiplayer, which is it, it obviously there's the whole the sort of a meta game, isn't there? Of just you know, as Darren said, playing cars, which is fun enough with friends, just doing daft stuff. I mean, it, it's similar. Everyone's done it in um, Grand Theft Auto is another one where you can just sort of ha- most of the fun is done by just messing around, not doing anything that you're supposed to. Burnout Paradise lends itself to that, but the challenge mode in this, in particular, was so much fun. Obviously, it, what it works out is there's there's sort of co-op challenges and you've got eight tiers or seven tiers as it works out because you can have eight players and then there's ones for eight, seven, all the way through to two. So that would be seven different tiers of, of events. Um, and they can feature simple stuff uh, for takedowns or, or, or whatnot. And then they can get crazy ones like go to the airfield and hit the ramp and fly straight through a concrete pipe, you know, without touching the sides. Um, which is, it sounds really easy. It's not. Um, and you know, you could have eight friends there at the line. And I'll tell you what, the amount of laughs you can have when seven of you have done it and there's one person trying again <laughs> and again to get it and you're yeah. just giving them grief whilst they're desperate to get through this pipe and just end the misery of a Sounds like James's idea of hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Whereas, um, for me, so memorable. That, that, that element of the game, the challenges in it was the best part of that whole game. Um, it's a shame that, you know, for a lot of people who picked it up on Xbox, it was hid behind obviously the Xbox Live peer wall, um, which which was a shame, um, because obviously the most of the market I know were, were sort of heavily on Xbox 360 at the time. The PlayStation 3 was still in its infancy and hadn't been picked up widely, um, so I know a lot of people who couldn't do it because they, they were flat out couldn't afford Live or refused to pay for it. But when you did and you got a full party in of just friends, it was, I mean. It, it's one of those games where you laugh yourself to tears and your stomach's hurting and, oh, it, it's absolutely hilarious. I mean, I can't even remember the people I was playing with in 2008, but I just remember having such a great time laughing with them. Um, and then I remember when I got Need for Speed Most Wanted, uh, Criterion's next game, I couldn't wait to do it and it was just not there. <laughs> and it was like, that was the best part of your previous game. Why is it not there? Um and it just feels like it feels like they nailed it first time out, but at the same time it feels like a sort of one and done and they're not gonna 
sort of be able to recreate that magic or they're unwilling to um in in the need for speed series or or, or whatever it comes to i'm hoping that the new game that they announced will perhaps have something similar but yeah that the, the whole challenges element was just complete magic in burnout yeah. paradise and and I, I loved it as well, not because of people griefing me, but because even the other night um, when you had to do a certain distance jump and a couple of people had done yeah. it, myself and Darren were actually the, letting the side down in this case, um, but we were at the airfield and you ju- you just have them saying where they got their jump, how they did it, um, what way to approach the ramp, etc. And you just help one another. Um, and because you're all reliant on everyone doing this particular challenge, sometimes you fail because it's on a timer and you don't get it. But um, it, it never felt like it, it, it necessitated griefing in, in that respect, although if, if that's what, um, obviously... That's what Carl enjoyed about it, but in my case, it just um, meant... I mean, it's friendly grief. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I would, never, yeah, no. I would never do the challenges with randoms because that would just be rage-inducing. But with friends, oh. So as we've uh, already alluded to, uh, the game that came out in uh, in two thousand and eight was uh, is quite different to the game that it ended up being over a year later or nearer two years, including the paid-for DLC. Um, and uh, and as Ian said earlier, it was quite weird the the way this panned out. And I remember it being commented on at the time, like you know, this is weird. Um, Criterion are doing this free stuff. So I asked Ian, you did multiple major updates, and for the first best part of a year, it was all free as well. Normally, if a game comes out from EA and it needs loads of patches, people are very negative about that because it feels like the game's unfinished or it was rushed or whatever. But in this case, it felt like you'd put out a great comprehensive racing game, and then you just kept adding huge, significant chunks to it with the Bogart, Cagney, and Davies. Uh, aka bikes upgrades Ian Angus says I never understood the business reasons for that I think there was some sort of internal turmoil going on within the company and its relationship to EA as a whole we didn't have another project to go on to at that time and I still don't understand why we did it because in many ways it doesn't make sense it was great for you guys the fans because you get stuff for free but then at the end of the day it is a business you have to make money to pay people's wages keep the lights on and so on Uh, So I continued, with Burnout Paradise we were getting these regular significant free updates. It was just a bit bizarre, but I think in terms of hearts and minds that's another reason why the game is so fondly remembered. Ian replied, yes that's right, we didn't really capitalise on that in games afterwards, but it was a real learning experience, and the things we did on Need for Speed Hot Pursuit, such as the Autolog, came out of experiments we did in Paradise. A lot of the tools and technology that Criterion used in subsequent titles developed then, a lot of behind the scenes stuff, telemetry, understanding what all the users are doing and what they're enjoying and what they're not, which is now how all mobiles Um, all mobile games are done these days they've all got their analytics and so on and so it was an early form of that I mean it's weird isn't it having free DLC because um, you know it's unheard of now but I think it must have been around 2008 I'm not Mm. sure on the exact date but Burnout uh, but um, Battlefield Bad Company 2 had the same thing. That got free mm. DLC as an EA title. Mm. That got map packs for free. And it's not her, it's uh, not unheard of from all developers, but um, from publishers. But EA. From EA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is these days, and especially with say the Battlefield ones, where in interviews they said bluntly they said EA will not change Dice as a studio. We believe in giving free content and this and that. And obviously we've had Battlefield three and Battlefield four since, which have had premiums at forty pound for the DLCs and. Uh, and so forth, but obviously multiple patches that, uh, to make 2008, it work. 2008, they were they were very um, 
They were very active in chase, uh, in changing the public perception of a company that were very high on uh, franchises and movie tie-ins. And um, I'm assuming EA put less pressure on the studios at the time until they'd sort of changed that around. Now, ironically, again, they're going full circle because, well, I mean, EA have always been the bane of PC gamers in particular, but now, obviously, they've certainly irked console gamers now as well. So um, I think I think perhaps they just came at a time where EA were were willing to let certain things go. But well, it, we're it's hearing interesting to hear someone from, from a developer say that it was. We're hearing here from odd. the horse's mouth that they didn't, you know, they didn't really understand it, and it sounded like it was born out of circumstance rather than any great, you know, plan, any any uh, any vision, um, any a- attempt to win over people or anything like that. Well, it just sort of seemed to be circumstantial. Yeah, that's interesting because at the time I remember quite a bit being made out of. This was before EA's. Um, Project $5, $10, sorry, um, and online passes and stuff had yes. kind of come in. And I remember at the time, yeah. actually, a lot of media reporting, whether or not, obviously, um, as far as Ian's concerned, this wasn't quite the case, but th- this was EA's test of whether giving a lot of... It, it, the way it was made out, actually, I seem to remember, was it sounded like EA were allowing Criterion to do this um, in order to see if giving free DLC encouraged people to keep hold of the game rather than trading it in. Yeah, um, that that was very much did. the message at the time. <laughs> and I think I think given just, how many yeah. people are still playing Burnout uh, Paradise, absolutely. as we've been yeah. talking about, it seems like you know. And as I said, I, I feel like it it won over people people's hearts and minds. Yeah, use that cheesy yeah. phrase. Um, like you know, we're, we're getting something good here, and I certainly. Yeah, feel good about the game for for all that they added, yeah. um, and then then I think some people, and we've got a three word review alluding to this, then felt that they went too far the other way with the paid for DLC, which we'll come on to. Mm. Yeah. Um, but interesting but that Ian to, obviously doesn't didn't see it as no. as the public perception was per, perhaps that that yeah no. it was. I mean, by you know, he's yeah. he was he's a lead gameplay programmer. He's yeah, not a, he wasn't a money man, no, no. but he was very very, very significant on, on this project him. and very much involved in all this this DLC. And obviously, he was still getting his wages while this was going on. But he was probably thinking, "This is weird. We're doing you know a year's worth of free content." I mean, that you know, in in the modern industry, it's pretty much unheard of. And for EA, the next one, which was Davies or Bikes, certainly uh, had uh, added. And motorcycles, seventy challenges, um, and uh, and dynamic weather system. Which again, you might have imagined the dynamic weather weather might have come on its own in an update, or just never arrived. Yeah, um, just in a sequel, built a yeah. whole sequel around that. Being <laughs> yeah, true feature. enough. Yeah. But, yeah. Now I was talking about the bikes. I always found them. Uh, I never got on with the bikes. Um, it it always felt weird. Finally, you were seeing human <sighs> figures in paradise, and when you crashed, they just disappeared, yeah. and it didn't yeah. i wanted road rash style ragdolls um otherwise it just didn't work for me that's the thing it kind of felt like a prototype for a road rash game that they used you know paradise city as as an engine for you know like maybe criterion at one point were like we could do a road rash game look we we can do bikes and then you know it, but the bikes weren't fun enough to you know yeah. to persist the whole 70 challenges in there there's in the i always felt like the bikes were um sort of competition to pgr4 which added bikes. Mm, that's true, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, at, at that period of time, it felt like, well, you know, if one can do one, then the other the other can match it sort of thing. And it, it, the bikes were never a, a pull for me either, Leon, I'll, I'll be honest. But 
I mean, the big thing from that was dynamic weather. Yeah, yeah, and the the real time. You can have the real time weather, which I enjoy. I, I always have that on, so mm. it's it reflects the time of day where you are in the real world. You know, and I, I like I like that sort of thing. Reminds me of the original I'm, Metropolis. I, I miss that. Yeah, that was I loved that about MSI. Although it was a, a bit of a pain when you're in the UK and you're trying to do races. Change your clock. The, yes. the other time, yeah, and it's too dark to see anything. Yeah, change your clock. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, I miss uh, that. MSR had uh, it was always had an issue with brightness anyway, didn't it? But um, yeah. But yes, no, I'm not complaining just because I wasn't that into mm. playing the motorbikes. You know, seventy, seventy new events yeah. and a load of bikes. Yeah. It's just there. You can just select it when you load the mm. game up, yeah. and you can ignore it if not. And it was free, so who cares? You know. Um, as far as bikes goes, there's a couple of things. I think Criterion's engine we know is well. Certainly, I feel absolutely fantastic for car racing that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work in terms of physics and the handling of for motorbikes yeah the leaning and, the, yeah, and all that it, stuff bikes yeah. are very very yeah. different I, i've never ridden yes. one i've been on one as a as a, a pillion um but it's a very different incredibly different way of, of moving still around. sell them right now anyway, if i'm being yeah. perfectly honest you've got something like watchdogs which even the bikes in that yeah. don't look right so yeah i enjoy them in in gta um but but obviously they've yeah. been in for for a, for a long time yeah. um yeah it that's did. for the hilarity of if you're going to come off and die yeah. <laughs> as you could you, well you've got ragdoll so and yeah, works, i, I yeah. wonder so the ragdoll aspect if that again if that's not in the engine they won't be able to model that but mm, no. i do wonder if some of that isn't for a rating as well um, mm, yeah, yeah. because obviously having a person hit a wall even if there's no blood yes. in a ragdoll fashion that indicates mm. injury and or death and that may not have been accounted for in the rating and changing that with DLC when it affects the whole game could be something of an issue I, I want I yeah, it was no a, reason it was a three plus that. burnout paradise uh, yeah. in Peggy land mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so yes probably even if they'd had yeah, slightly racier valid, songs yeah. or or, yeah. or 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 people coming off bikes it would have ended up being a 12 or something I always remember that's why they never put people in the cars as well because seeing mm-hmm. like a human get battered yeah. around inside a car would therefore increase the rate into you know potentially yeah. a, a, whatever it is a 7 or a 12 I don't know yeah, yeah I can't remember what flat out was <clears> but um, probably a 12 or 15 I don't yeah. know I think it used to be a PG <laughs> back in the old days when we used yeah, to put those ratings on it BBFC, so I'm yeah. assuming it'll be a 12 now yeah, yeah. Um, they belatedly added PS3 trophies in September 08 because of course not all games you know arrived with trophies back in those days um, and then that uh, final free February update 1.6 version um, 2009 a year after the game came out added that quick restart and those visual tweaks we mentioned earlier um, various gameplay tweaks and also the um, the sort of browser link which is now dead on both PC yeah. and PS3 um, and you just have to you just sort of quit out and go straight go straight back into the game um, and I believe also the store is no longer available for PC so not only did they not yeah. get um, Big Surf Island you can't buy any of the or download any of the yeah. DLC you can grab uh, I believe Cagney's on there um, but that's obviously okay. just to patch it up to th- yeah. that stage but yeah I was surprised because when I loaded up the PlayStation Plus version everything was in there to buy uh, they, they obviously yes. didn't give you the ultimate box edition the, the, the DLC was there to buy uh, and I was tempted right. to but I'd already bought it all on 360 so I thought you know what I'll just play the game as is uh, yeah. weird to say vanilla when it's clearly not vanilla by any stretch at that no. point but no. it feels like no. it without the legendary cars and the toy cars for whatever reason um, but yeah on PC I was really surprised to see Baron Wasteland when it came to DLC yeah completely yeah. removed I wonder if some of that is licensing or something but who knows 
Um, on the subject of so the paid for DLC also started uh, in February '09 um, yeah. with the slightly controversial party pack, um, which added uh, local multiplayer past the controller style, not split screen, which would have you know certainly justified the uh, paying charging for if they'd if they'd added split screen somehow. Um, but it's interesting to hear from Ian on this, both in terms of uh, the nature of this and um, and what they'd done to the game over time. So. Uh, Ian said another thing that happened in that time was the Wii was really strong and if you remember game coverage at the time was inverted commas casual Uh, there are all these people out there who don't like games very much but they're buying Wiis and so on so a lot of things like the party pack and changes that were made to the handling the barrel rolls and so on was to try to make it more casual more Wii friendly and I think that was kind of a mistake really because the Wii was a fad as has been proved by history and a lot of the audience were not playing games like Burnout Paradise they were playing carnival games and Wii Sports Tennis and have moved on to Candy Crush Saga and they're welcome to it. We changed the controls for Barrel Roll so it would automatically level it off. It's really interesting if you go back and play the game off a disc without installing any of the patches. Even the handling on the first car was really dumbed down so that the first car that people drove was easier. But a lot of people didn't like it. We had a very hardcore vocal following, as all games tend to do, who didn't like it. But then you think, well, is it just you 10 loud guys or is it actually a problem? It's kind of difficult to tell. Mm. I've actually played this party pack once. Um, you know, I'm quite a fan of local multiplayer. Uh, but the problem here is that the, the juxtaposition between getting eight people in a room who want to play a game about 200 miles an hour cars, you know, mm. between between the Wii and the Burnout Paradise, is, is a, there's a huge difference there. And we, we played it once, we had a good time, but there was never call for it to come back, you know, not like nowadays where we've got Gang Beasts and JS Joust yeah. and... Um, Star Wars, just the tip. Like these games, like Burnout was, it was too complicated for people to dip in and out of as a party mode. You know, it, it mm. was like, do as many barrel rolls as possible. And people are like, well, how do I do that? And you have to explain it. And once you have to start explaining in detail how to play the game while the yeah. game's on, you yeah, lose your audience. It. Yeah. And there were some really good modes in there, like reverse around the train tracks without hitting the walls and stuff. Like, that's quite self-explanatory. Like you just press the left trigger and reverse around this thing. But when it gets more complicated, Mm. Uh, you know, you do start losing the audience and the the beauty of things like, you know, Johann Sebastian's Joust is that there, there is one rule and that's not to move your PlayStation 1 or don't let someone move it for you so you get knocked out. It's it's kind of like a playground attitude towards a video game. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, it was, there was too many levels of, you've got to do this, how do I do that? Well, you have to battle roll your car and press X to flatten the car out when it's at a certain angle yeah. and it, it, it was yeah. just too much. To my shame... I played through the party pack solo to get the achievements. That is miserable. <laughs> I, I hate myself for that. But You are scum. Yeah, I am, absolutely. And I was passing the controller to myself because I have no friends and I'm just an Aww. idiot. I actually did I actually did the party pack at a game, at a, a LAN. It was actually a PC gaming LAN, but people took plenty of Xboxes and I actually did this with a friend. Um and I I didn't think much of it. It was one of those uh, we played it for the sake of getting the achievements. <laughs> it's just like James. And then once that was done, I can't really remember it. I was hoping for it's, all it's... the fun of Burnout 2, mm. uh, Burnout 2's crash mode, but it wasn't really there, mm. sadly. Um, exactly. Then, of course, there we, we mentioned them earlier, the legendary cars, uh, the Ghostbusters, Knight Rider, uh, Dukes of Hazard, and... Back to the Future. <laughs> they went back and gave away the, the Ecto-1 uh, clone free uh, when Harold Ramis died, which I thought was kind of a bit tacky, really, but there you go. Um, some paid-for packs of toy-style cars, which were like super deformed versions of cars hmm. already in the game, yeah, I think. little stubby versions. Remote control versions. Boost specials, yeah. which were two just two cars which had like infinite boost or whatever. 
uh, another one that I was really looking forward to but ended up not buying because people told me it was nothing like as good as it should have been. It sounded like enormous fun was Cops and Robbers, mm. but um, I believe the implementation was was not all that. There seemed to be a, a run of developers with racing games like this trying to capitalise on PGR2's cat and mouse user-creative mode. Yes, so it sure. kind of like felt yeah. like... Oh, another racing game. Let's try and make a cat and mouse game. And it, they never seem to get it as well as what the players made it in PGR2. Um, it, mm, it was really yeah. weird. Like No one makes anything as good as it was in PGR2, <laughs> Darren. Hmm. See, interesting. Hmm. I, I saw this as the opposite direction. I saw this as them almost prototyping to show that they could do Hot Pursuit. Yeah, and so we're, we're running fairly short on time, mm. but um, obviously we must uh, touch upon Big Surf Island, which was the final major edition, possibly the final edition at all. Um known as Eastwood during development um, came out in June 2009 but not on PC um, added a whole big area which um, you can get to seamlessly from your main game if you want although you can jump in via the menu too um, and it was kind of it's a hillier area it's more sort of like um, uh, it's, it's more themed around stunting than anything I suppose else, else you'd say but it has other kinds of it has plenty of other events to play um, yeah and it obviously it, it um, I think is it there in the ultimate box if you buy the console versions of the ultimate box or not I don't think so <clears throat> I'm not entirely well, sure but I, don't, I don't think but it's still there to it's still yeah. there to be had mm. um, I would you know I consider it now an integral part of the of the game I suppose yeah I remember when it was announced, there were pictures of where it was going to be on the map, you know, and that was quite a, mm. a big thing at the time. Um, mm. I never made as much out of it, perhaps because I wasn't playing multiplayer with other people to go and just stunt around, as it were. Um, but I never made as much out of it as I thought I would when I heard about it. You I didn't was, go and get all the new billboards? Um, I, I got a bunch of achievements and stuff there, but I didn't finish off the license. I didn't get everything there. Um, there's a lot to do. Yeah, actually. there is quite a lot in, in what felt like quite a com- compact area, um, mm-hmm. relatively speaking. I know the city's not massive necessarily by open world standards nowadays, but um, yeah, mm. just something about it. I'm not sure what. I don't know whether maybe I just started running out of steam having kind of mm. blasted everything on the game by that point and more besides. Um, but yeah. yeah, I remember buying it, and you know, I, I did that massive jump they added to it. It was kind of like a yeah. ski jump sort Peaceful of thing. Bombs, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was really good fun. Um, but the the island itself, you know, it wasn't as big as what I was hoping. I thought it would be mm. well bigger. Like I was hoping it was called Bigger Surf Island. You know, <laughs> I, I just felt like I was constantly cruising around the same locations far too quickly, and it was yeah. just like, all right, you know what I mean? It was it was, it was good. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not I don't regret buying it, but I just kind of I kind of expected more, I guess. Which brings us on to. Uh, Really, um, before we uh, hear from our community and conclude ourselves, um, kind of the future of of the Burnout series and, of course, that one last entry, and it may well be the last entry into the Burnout legacy, which was Burnout Crash, uh, the downloadable Xbox Live Arcade game, uh, which when I heard about it, I had a lot of high hopes for um, again. I was hoping for something that was uh, like a high score based challenge, you know, would have good both local and online stuff would be based around the the core concepts of the best bits of previous crash modes and previous burnout games. And, you know, but on a, uh, you know, it made it made sense to me that it would be, you know, top down and and, and whatever. But if it had good physics and and all that sort of thing, um, yeah, I was I was. I was keen for it um, and I played the demo and the demo actually, you know, it seemed mildly diverting and I thought, well, maybe there's more to it. But then people started 
playing it and telling me that it was really, really not very good for very long at all. So I, I never actually ended up getting this. This was uh, September 2011 on Xbox Live mm. Arcade and PlayStation Network, and there's an iOS version. Came out April 2012. Um, did any of you give this a try? Uh, yeah, I bought it in a sale, an Xbox Live sale at one point for like 140 points or something stupid. I played the first level and Good. I was just like... Ish. Uh, no, I'm, I'm right, cheers. And I knew what the game was. I've seen it on videos. I've seen yeah, it of course. But yeah. it's just something about it. Didn't have a hook. It just didn't grab me. No, not at all. And, mm. you know, it, they could add all the funky music in there they wanted, <laughs> like Staying Alive, I think it was one of the tunes, a nice... Oh, yeah, it had the sort of cheesy... Yeah, you know, when, when, around, a, when a certain yeah. event, like when a pizza man come along, they played some the pizza song, I don't know. Raining Yeah, it was stuff I, I was just like, all right. Yeah. It's just, it, it didn't feel like burnout for a start. You know, it mm. kind of felt... And I, and I quite, I quite like the, the pinball approach to it, you know, pinging your car around and like the kind of the noises it gives. Yeah, up. like Peggle, I yeah. thought it was, it reminded me of Peggle, which, you know, I can get, I can get hooked on Peggle for, for, for a few hours. But it just, it just didn't work. Didn't work for me. Shame. So the last thing I, I spoke to Ian about really was, was, uh, was the, the, the future, um, of the burnout, uh, series or, or not. And, and, and that crash game. Um, he said, uh, <clears throat> Sorry, I said you moved on from Criterion to uh, and EA to Konami, where he is now working on Prova, which is cool. Uh, but can you see EA and or Criterion bringing back the Burnout name? He said, nope, it's never going to happen, ever. And I said, never? He said, nope, dead. Yep, totally. Wow, I said. He said, there's no reason for them to. Most of, them, most of the people have gone anyway who worked on it. Nope, it's never going to come back. Uh, so I joked, what if the Burnout Crash downloadable game had done better? He said, nope, that was a ridiculous project in itself. I said I was very disappointed because I love Crash Mode. He said everyone was disappointed. I feel quite bitter about that one because I did Crash Mode in Burnout 3. It was me and one other guy called Chris Roberts, and I wasn't consulted on this thing they made. I said it wasn't right. He said it was an attempt to get into, ooh, mobile and tablet games are cool now, so let's try one of those. Poor decision-making from senior people, and all those people have left. I mean, that's so disappointing as well, because, I mean, anyone who watched E3 when Criterion took to the stage and showed their new game, there was that, you know, there was that air of anticipation. Oh, it, it's another burnout. And then it wasn't. And people were like, oh, you know, and I think that's probably quite telling that, that burnout, that there's still a market there, but it, is it, you know, has time gone by too long? You know, you said the people have left and, you know, you might not ever be able to recapture that magic. You know, I think for those of us, of which I'm one of them, we're always going to be hoping that maybe, just maybe, there will be. And every time it's a new need for speed, we're a little bit disappointed that it's not burnout. And Well, know, obviously, it goes on. he doesn't know. He's he's no longer there. He's at Konami. That's just his view. Um, he does know, obviously, he's, you know, we'll have friends who are former Criterion and current Criterion people. There aren't many Criterion people left. You know, Criterion is now a very small studio. Um, and, uh, you know, he he did suggest that, um, you know, EA might not be averse to, uh, as he put it, raiding their IP locker at some point for something, you know, I suppose in the same way as they did for, for Crash. Um, and But he also said that, uh, you know, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit sold an order of magnitude more than yeah. any burnout game. So, you know, why would they... Why would they do burnout when they can sell more money by calling it need for uh, sell more copies? Well, by fingers crossed they did Mirror's Edge too. So, well, if that ever makes it out, yeah, <laughs> we've got whether hope. it'll be anything like Mirror's Edge one though is another matter, of course. Yeah. Now, 
uh, let's hear from uh, people who've played the game from our community. This, uh, these are these people who posted at canarince.com slash forum. Um, we have a new email address for those who'd like to email in, and it's podcast at canarince.com. Darren, would you care to start with Mr. Flabio's? Mm, yeah, Mr. Flabio. He says, the handling of mechanics here is even simpler and more friendly than that of takedown. Your car is basically indestructible unless you, fa- you drive face first into something at speed. But having done that, Criterion were able to make a far more interesting and varied world. Glancing off fences, smashing through traffic lights, finding the many shortcuts. This game isn't for racing purists, it's a game for people who want to go fast and have fun. Having a fixed world, which you are eventually able to learn over time, really helps. As the game goes on, the racing stages get longer, but they end up stringing together sections of the world that you've learnt. The game also caters for those who love the takedown mechanics of the previous games, with a specific mode that's all about that. Then it has a stunt chain mode, which rewards those who learn how to 720 their car for ramp. Then they throw in a time trial for every road in Paradise City, which range from a 6 second of Watch Street to some that are over 3 minutes long, where only a perfect run will do. The Crash Junction's Mose here is probably the weakest part of the game. It fails to capture what worked with that in the previous games. On top of that, they throw in the party mode online multiplayer, get together with some friends and then fire off some challenges. Everyone must do a 720 off the highest hill. Everyone must perform a jump over all the other players on the beach ramps. First player to overtake the train wins and so on. It's not a perfect game, but it introduced a lot of things that went on to influence later games. And you could argue that with games like Drive Club and The Crew, it has more influence on current game design than any of the previous burnouts ever have. Thanks, Glenn Watts, Mr. Flabio. Uh, Coffee Jesus, CJ, says... Uh, previous guest, I should say, says... I loved the original Burnout on GameCube and recently rekindled my adoration for Burnout 2 and 3 when I dug out my original Xbox a few weeks back. Point of Impact and Takedown still play superbly, joining the brilliant revenge within one of my favourite ever series. It goes without saying that I was looking forward to Burnout Paradise, that I ended up hating it came as a huge shock. Rather than the open world coming across as wonderfully sprawling, open and ace, to me it felt constrained more than anything. I recall stopping at traffic lights to start a race, but when it was over... Nothing. I had to drive back, else find my way to another set of traffic lights, although I understand this was later corrected with an option added to purely restart the same race. Paradise Paradise City itself felt bizarre. I know this is video games and suspending belief often comes with the territory, but this much vaunted open world without people just felt very, very strange, especially in the light of sandbox games having populous and racing racing sections within them. I stepped back into the game about a year ago and it still didn't click. I missed the linearity, imagination and focus of the levels from previous games, and for me Paradise was a real misfire, although I understand this is purely personal and most folks seem to love it to pieces, just not for me I guess. Electric Crocosaurus said, uh, Although I'd enjoyed the previous Burnout games, I didn't get on with Paradise at all. The switched open world meant that I really struggled to understand where I was going at high speed without the clear indicators of where to go that came with the previous linear tracks. I picked it up cheaply to begin with, and sold it not long after. I also missed the local multiplayer, which, if I remember correctly, was only added after release as paid DLC. Indeed. Uh, Necky Mansa says, A while ago I had an itch to get a racer. That itch grew and grew until I finally gave in and bought my first racing game for years, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit, the 2010 version. After spending more time in menus and loading than racing in that game, I set the game aside and let the itch go unscratched for another half a year. Eventually I got over my disappointment in Hot Pursuit and gave Burnout Paradise a shot. Within five minutes I was racing down the streets with a huge grin on my face. 
People talk about how playing a great game will bring a smile to their face, but it has been a long time since a game came along that was just exactly what I was looking for. On-the-fly challenges, stunt points, an incredible feeling of speed, great graphics, fun cars. This is a game where the developers went into it with the goal of making it feel good to do everything in it. It's easy to feel awesome when you fly off a huge ramp at high speed. It's much more difficult to feel great when you're getting wrecked every 30 seconds because you stumbled into a challenge that has other cars hunting you down and you only started the game a few minutes before that. Minor penalties and quick recoveries from wrecks make it more fun to just watch how how great of a crash you just caused rather than getting frustrated. Paradise reminds me a lot of when I rented San Francisco Rush with my brother. Instead of racing, we just did a versus mode on a single level and spent most of the rental period launching cars off ramps, trying to wreck each other and trying to outdo each other with bigger and flasher wrecks. It's not a perfect game, but Burnout Paradise is my perfect arcadey racing game, and I don't use the word perfect lightly. Mm. He was one of the uh, people who played with us the other day. Yep. Oh, cool. Robotic Monkey says, Paradise no doubt seemed to be the logical evolution of the series, and I like that you could roam an open map and choose when and where you wanted to race. I think that this sadly also led me to finding frustration in the game, as I didn't find it as easy to navigate to the finish in the races. I found it very easy to miss corners and ended up pausing to check the map a lot, and I feel that broke up the flow of what should be a flat-out fast racer. It's certainly scratching itch for an arcade racer, and it's, and it's difficult to contest how much fun it was to spot a sign and, and wondering how to find the ramp and speed to smash through it, but I ended up not finishing the game because of how frustrating, how frustrating I found the later races to navigate. Mm-hmm. Good mm. mix of opinions so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sozifer says, Burnout Paradise was a complete surprise to me. I was quite worried about the open world nature of the game at first, but as soon as I started to play, the game it clicked. There was a stage when I was top of the all-time road rules on PS3. I have never been a competitive online gamer, but Burnout Paradise had me scouring the entire map to lockdown times. I was only there a month or so, but it was great to see I was getting some reward for this game. I really was expecting a racing game to bring my OCD nature into into the game. But uh, sure, the previous games had me playing over and over until I had gold medals on all events, but Burnout Paradise had me searching high and low for gate, billboards, etc. When they launched the bikes update, again, I was worried about how they would affect this game I loved. But once more, Criterion laid those fears to bed by making the bikes feel like a natural fit and kind of road rash next-gen feel was added to the game. The biggest change to the game for me was when they added Big Surf Island DLC. Somehow they managed to make this arcade racer feel almost like a platformer, trying to get billboards, gates, jumps and super jumps were all situated in parts of the island where navigating meant taking to the roofs and using some platforming skills to navigate successfully to the next discovery point. I love Burnout Paradise and it remains my favourite game of the PS3, Xbox 360 generation to this day. Sure, it didn't have crash mode, but they added so much content post-release that I didn't care. I was being looked after with lots of content and some of the big changes were free too. Burnout Paradise was my only platinum trophy until recently. I rarely care for this sort of thing in games, yet I would not leave Paradise City until I had that badge of honour. Cool, cool. And uh, finally, for our feedback in this issue, Scrussell. Scrussell said, It had been a while since we'd seen a new Burnout, and this one was to be far more ambitious than than those that had come before. What we had got turned out to be something really special and somewhat of a magnum opus for the Criterion. Now everything is set in an open city where you can go anywhere you want, anytime you want. While this wasn't exactly something that the previous games were calling out for, it still felt perfectly natural to me, and I got on with it right away. Paradise City feels wonderfully designed, with every street being unique and recognisable, with so many areas to explore. Criterion did a fantastic job of creating a locale for the game. 
As one would expect, the cars are yet again fantastic to drive, and among my best in any game. But this time they decided to make the cars much more diverse than they had in the previous entries. The event types themselves also felt more diverse than before. Races were now point to point, with no barriers to stop you from going the wrong way. Somewhat like how those in the Midnight Club games work. Thankfully, this actually worked very well. It didn't feel like you could too easily take a wrong route by mistake, and you were given relatively easy directions to follow on the way. The open structure also meant that if you knew a better way to go, you could take advantage of it. Stunt runs I was less fond of. They relied on you keeping a chain of stunts going without crashing, but it often felt a little bit unfair with that. Sometimes your car will unpredictably lose control when you land a big jump sending you into a wall, or because of the nature of the event type you were forced to go down those narrow and vicious shortcuts, which usually ended in disaster. It also seemed to me like there were only a few areas around the city you had a real opportunity to rack up a lot of points, so often it felt like it didn't matter where an event happened to be placed, and winning just came down to whether or not you could get to these big scoring areas in time, or just repeat the same run every time. These stunt mechanics worked far better in the online freeburn mode though, where you had free reign over the city with other players. Quick challenges could be set up in that mode, which directed the stunt mechanics of barrel rolling and flat spinning, then such into a contest of one-upping each other. It also made for some more cooperative moments when players were required to meet up at certain points and all perform a specific task. It captured a similar thrill to the days of childhood friends gathering around to see uh, who could jump their bicycle the furthest over makeshift ramps. Mm. I remember those days. Burnout Paradise still stands up as one of the most finely crafted games out there, one that both managed to stay true to what had come before as well as doing something completely new for the series. It also stands out as one of the few games out there whose post-launch DLC actually felt like a worthwhile addition to the game, although without them it still feels like a complete and endlessly enjoyable classic. Thanks, Scrussell and everybody else. Uh, And we also have some much more brief three-word reviews uh, from Twitter, at Kanerintz. Jerome McIntosh says... Never stop boosting. Coffee Jesus says... Big fat disappointment. Ashley Day... Playing the map. Ben Smith says nickel and dime. Josh Lawley says just keep driving. Neckymancer says mindless arcadey perfection. Livio de la Cruz said loved the airfield. Guy Pattinson reminds us that the PC got screwed. Lee Garbutt. Magnificent online challenges. Simon A. Power slide to victory. Joe Calvo. Absolutely amazing fun. Chris Eason. Gate. Billboard. Crash. <laughs> Tatsan. Paradise City indeed. Colm Sheridan, car crash porn. James Dower, DeLorean DLC, heavy. Christos Reed, uh, aka Felnot, says Avril Levine Racing. Uh, Patrick Smith says, Take me home. Oh, yeah. I added the last bit there. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, I like thanks. it. I was, expecting, I was expecting you to go for the big, you know, r- raspy throat Axel Rose, but you went for the, the little mm. sort of uh, reflective one. <laughs> Good. Glenn Watts says Criterion Elite License. Right, we must summarise. Um, I think we've covered almost everything, but uh, briefly then, um, what do we think of Burnout Paradise? I suppose would we recommend that people begin their Burnout Paradise now, six years after it originally came mm. out? Darren Gargett. Yeah, there's a lot to love and there's a lot to uh, dislike. I wouldn't say hate, there's a lot to dislike about Burnout Paradise. Um, but you know, the, the good outweighs the bad in my opinion. And I, I genuinely think this is one of the, if not the strongest game in the series. Um, it is, it's such a thrill. Once it clicks, once you get over the barrier 
of understanding how the game works and how you need to use your peripheral vision to manipulate the uh you know, manipulate your car around the city it really is an absolute thrill and something that most people uh, everyone should play if you're interested in the arcade racing genre uh I I'm kind of glad that the series kept evolving and didn't like remain sort of stagnant in its um you know linear lap racing sort of structure. I am kind of glad that Criterion got to spread their wings and try out different things and you know experiment with the with the genre because I think you know the the series could have really gone stale and and boring. Um but yeah, I I kind of wish I got involved with the multiplayer more at the time, but you know there's no, there's no point you know regretting about that because playing it recently the multiplayer there was just something about it that you just kept on, like, just one more challenge. Just go on, just one more challenge. And then, you know, it was just fun just to talk to people and, um, just, just have a, have a good time, really. Um, it, it is great. And if you want to play a racing game now, uh, yeah, you, I reckon, yeah, you should play Burnout Paradise. And then, because this is the last Burnout game from, you know, from, this is the last original game from Criterion that's amazing. Obviously, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit is amazing, but I don't, I don't see Need for Speed as a Criterion, you know, franchise. I see it as something that they took on and, you know, d- developed games for. Whereas mm. the Criterion's own named thing, this is the last great thing that they've produced. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, you know, a good swan song for that, you know, de- um, that, that period in time of that developer. It is well worth checking out. Thanks, Darren. James. So I've I started the Burnout series with Legends, as I've mentioned in previous shows, and and I've seen then the Paradise, and then I've been back through to play everything. Um, and it's a really weird situation for me because Legends feels like came out the same time as as Revenge. I didn't enjoy Revenge as much as any of the other games that I'd played in the Burnout series. So Legends felt like this kind of greatest hits of Burnout as a from-the-menu, event-by-event um, focused racer um, in in that kind of structure that, you know, Carl's mentioned that he, he um, enjoyed the structure to that. Uh, I find it really difficult to go back. I, I have not enjoyed um, Criterion's games, despite acknowledging the, um, the, the Need for Speed games they did, that is what I'm referring to here, uh, Despite acknowledging that they've improved a lot of things about it, they've added a lot, they've made, in theory, their formula a lot better under the Need for Speed umbrella, It it's lost a lot for me uh, from what Burnout was. And Burnout Paradise is kind of... It's almost ruined that style of racer for me. Anything now that has menus, I don't want to see a menu anymore. It feels like I'm, it's inviting me to bang my head against an event until I've got a gold medal in it and then go on to the next. And that frustration is something that I never once felt in Burnout Paradise. So having that open world um, has to some extent just it's put me off racers. It's been a law of diminishing returns since Burnout Paradise. Um it's no small thing for me to say that this is one of my favourite games of the last generation. Hands down, my favourite racing game that I played in the last generation. There is no competition in my mind. Um, this game just nailed so much of what I now look for in a racing game. Um, I can't really say more than that. You know, I think the way it looks, I was surprised going back to it on PC and on PS3 actually. It still looks great. There's that kind of that new era high definition, that shine to the car, which is a little too glary, perhaps. Um, but 
I've talked about the the visual effects they put on to try and make uh, revenge and takedown feel faster than perhaps they, they were. The visual trickery, as it were, that blur effect, that kind of um, losing the far dis- the far distance draw detail, etc. And in Burnout Paradise, it felt really fast, and all that extra detail that it felt like was was in the world just because of the vastness of it, but also how. Uh, condensed it felt in some ways um, that kind of duality to it just gave it this really nice feel that I just loved driving around and every time I would pull up to a crossroads and pull those triggers I I just knew I was in for just a wonderful ride around the city that I got to know like the back of my hand um, I've kind of rambled my way but I can't say anything higher than that. This game is what I look for from racing games now, and nothing has touched it since. And and it's put a shadow over everything before it as well. Um, I I loved everything about this. It seems like, as Darren said, this was a wonderful chance for for Criterion to do something different from their what had been become their established formula. There, um, yeah, I loved it. I should have put you last because mm-hmm. um, uh, I always prefer to finish with the most positive. Um, I don't. I, I kind of made an assumption, but uh, possibly an incorrect one. Um, for me, uh, well, Burnout Paradise is probably my fourth favourite Criterion racer. Um, I've had a lot of fun with it over a very long period of time. In, insane value for money, and a few, you know, some moments that are up there with any uh, any of the, the absolute blasts I've had with, with the other games in the series and my other favourite arcade racers, uh, once you're actually in events. Um, but for me, it turns out that the last thing that arcade racers needed was open world. Um, I don't get any real enjoyment from trundling from event to event. Um, I don't get enjoyment from getting lost halfway through a race because I failed to turn a corner that I didn't know was coming. Um, for me, they you know they kind of broke the crash mode even further um but at the end of the day i i do like the game it's you know the the core uh the events the the burning routes the races the road rages the marked man and all that um actually when i'm on those if i am following the route i have a good time with it um but there are there are a, a whole load of um racing games i would play ahead of this one including some of the other games in the series and by the same developer but ambition definitely to be applauded uh, and really interesting to hear some of uh, how how things came about and basically yeah i agree with virtually every criticism that anyone's come up with uh, including ian angus who worked on the game um but also that's not to deny the fact that the the fundamentals of the audiovisual experience and the car handling is uh, is tip top. And let's finish with Carl. It, Burnout Paradise is one of those games I can understand why people are so enthusiastic about it. You know, it looks great, it sounds great. Like Leon said, the handling is pretty much spot on. The the camera hanging in the the crash junctions is glorious. But the game just doesn't come together for me. It lacks uh, a core structure and it's left a blueprint across gaming that I do not like the trend that it's following. Games that have followed, such as Need for Speed Most Wanted and Need for Speed Rivals, follow this lack of real menu structure, this aimless drifting around a map that, that just does not do it for me. And, it, and that sort of sucks for me because I'm a massive fan of racing games. It's my favourite genre and 
it, I just feel like with the third era of Burnout titles, um, which this belongs to, obviously Revenge and Takedown are the second, um, and the first and Point of Impact being the, the, the very first era, it felt like it lost its way a bit for me. The uh, that I just always felt like the game had me just aimlessly wandering around this big environment of Paradise City where I always seem to end up in the northwest of the map. I mean, that that location is like Scotch Corner, the northeast of England, which anyone who's ever been up here will always end up there. It's like the Bermuda Triangle. Mm. And the struggle of constantly driving back from the area that had the least amount of events was absolutely atrocious. Um, and obviously, the later added the retry event and stuff, but... I, I, it was one of those things I often found it was quicker to exit out the game and boot it up again than drive back and that that just did not go well for me I, I enjoyed the online element of the challenges but the online multiplayer is where the game completely lost me and it was the one area I was really anticipating enjoying this game um, I thought it would absolutely shine uh, this whole play with your friends and race um, you know that, that sort of free roam ended up in the lack of competition just did not do a whole lot for me but the 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 sheer humor and laughter you can have with friends in the cha- in the challenge mode will remain with me for a long time and why that element hasn't carried across uh to the other games is mind-boggling because it seems that everyone who experienced it always has good things to say about that or they will always have fond memories and that that's a shame because uh as long as I always remember those, I'll always remember Burnout Paradise fondly. It's when I think about, you know, the single player, the the, the way you go through your events, the the, the online, the lack of competitive online multiplayer. Almost, it just feels like it's a very dour ending for the Burnout franchise for me, and that makes me a little bit sad. Oh, oh, oh. All right then. Um, that was our Burnout series. Uh, we have now covered some racing games. It just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Darren Gargett, James Carter, uh, and Carmoon. And a very special thanks on this occasion to Gary Casey and Ian Angus for providing such fantastic and candid insight to the whole Burnout Paradise thing. Uh, next time, in issue 137, Bear and Bird finally get the podcast they deserve. It's Banjo-Kazooie. Uh, until then, probably goodbye, girlfriends. Stop!